Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Hi there. I'm doing something a little different for this episode because it's coming out on the third anniversary of when I started the Hello Someday podcast. So much has happened in the last three years and it has been just a joy to create this podcast, to talk with so many incredible guests and to hear the feedback from all of my listeners about what the podcast has meant to you, how it has supported you, what parts resonate with you. And I love to read every review that you put on Apple Podcasts, every post that you put up in some of the sober Facebook groups out there, and every email I get telling me, which stories and which episodes and which guests have helped you reach 30 days and 90 days and six months and a year and everything else. You tell me that you have listened to my podcast going on walks every day for the last three weeks, or some of you start at the very beginning of the podcast on episode one and have told me you have listened to the whole thing, which is crazy because as of today, there are 161 episodes. So 161 hours of content in the last three years. The podcast has also been downloaded 900,000 times, which is such a huge number. I can't believe it. I am going to be so excited to hit that 1 million downloads mark. But In this episode, I actually wanted to share an interview that I did as part of the Sober Summit. I was being interviewed by the host of the Sober Summit and was really honored to be a part of that group, to be a part of the speakers, 
which also included Annie Grace and William Porter and 22 other leaders that I'm so excited to be in the company of. But I haven't told my story since episodes four when I did an episode about my drinking. So if you listen to this, I hope you enjoy hearing me on the other side of the microphone. And I truly, honestly want to thank you for listening, for being a part of the Hello Someday podcast, for giving me feedback on what you enjoy, what's helping you and what else you want to hear. And let's keep going. Hi, and welcome to the Sober Summit. I'm your host, Maggie Clausens, and I'm here with Casey Davidson, a life and sobriety coach and the host of the Hello Someday podcast. Welcome to the Sober Summit, Casey. Oh, thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Your podcast is amazing. The amount of guests and high profile authors, podcasters, like It is the real deal. Your podcast is amazing. I'm so excited for people to check it out if they haven't already. Um, But I wanted to start out for those that don't know you, if you could just tell tell them a little bit about yourself, where you came from, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. I mean, my name's Casey. I live in Seattle, Washington. I have two kids. My son Hank is 14. My daughter Lila is eight. We were just talking about it, almost nine. And when I quit drinking, Lila was almost two and Hank was almost eight. So, you know, Hank was about the age Lila was now. So this two days from now, I actually hit seven years alcohol-free, which is amazing. You know, I a picture popped up the other day from seven years ago on, on Valentine's Day. And what was amazing is we were, you know, it was you post all your stuff on Facebook, right? Anywhere you go somewhere great or have a cute picture of your family. And it was picture four days before I quit drinking at this resort in Arizona and just gorgeous picture of my kids and my husband. And what I think's interesting about that is I had no idea that I would stop drinking four days later. Like I was deep in worrying about my drinking and then justifying my drinking. And then, oh my God, I got to get my shit together when I get back home. And, but I've been doing that for years and years and years. And so what I take from that for anyone watching this, who's been in that cycle is you literally don't know when the time comes that you're like, all right, this is it. Even if it's the hundredth time that it's actually going to be the last day you drink and not in a scary way, in a very, very good and hopeful way. You just stop drinking because you feel like garbage and then you don't drink the next day. And then day four comes and probably you've gotten more support or direction than you have in the past. And the day you usually break, you just don't, you do something else. And then on day 15, you don't break and suddenly it's day 30. And like, regardless of how many times you have promised and then given up on yourself, it could be four days from now and you have no idea. So I just wanted to say that because it was top of mind because it popped up for me and I had been worried about my drinking for a very long time. So quick bit of background. I quit drinking when I was 40 years old. I had always been a big drinker since college. I played on the women's rugby team in college. I thought that was amazing and fun. And it was. It was also a crash course, almost an instructional guide to problematic drinking, to binge drinking, to rationalizing, drinking, throwing up and drinking again. The goal was to drink to blackout. Um, like for real, we did keg stands, we did funnels, everything was a fabulous story. So in college, I loved that. I thought I was a straight A kind of gold star girl, always had been, always had been a people pleaser, never caused my parents any trouble. And I went through college still being that girl. But when I drank, in my mind, anything could happen. And that was a positive because I would turn off my responsible, hyper vigilant, what do people think of me mind? 
And, you know, that was totally worth some morning spent on the bathroom floor throwing up every 20 minutes in my mind, which is crazy. It's a good story, right? I graduated college. And, you know, after that, I feel like my drinking just sort of evolved and shifted based on the time in my life. So my early 20s was cocktails out at bars with my friends. I moved to Seattle and lived on a floating home with my now husband. And we would kayak all the time. So it was six packs of beer in the kayaks. And then we got married and bought a house. And it was big dinner parties with all of our couple friends who didn't have kids and all the bottles of wine. And then we had kids and it was mommy wine culture. And I just kind of always drank a lot. In my mind, I always drank every night. It just seemed like from growing up, that was what you did. My parents were not huge drinkers. Um, No one in my family had a drinking issue. I didn't know anyone who struggled with alcohol before I did or anyone who had been sober because they had an issue with alcohol. I knew like one person who didn't drink on the rugby team and we were just like, yeah, I don't know what the hell that's about. You know, she was awesome and really good at sports. So we were like, all right, you're in, but um, no idea why she didn't drink. And so my parents always had a bottle of wine at dinner, you know, on the, on the table, a glass of wine. And so I just thought that's what adults do. It's sophisticated. It's romantic. It's what you drink. I just always drank. I'd never have a glass of wine literally in my entire life. Like I, in my mind, it's like, what's the point? I either drank a lot. My husband was always like, yeah, you drink till you're drunk or you run out till you pass out or you run out. Like, so I kind of drank a bottle of wine a night. Um, I worried about it and yet I justified it and I worried about it and I tried to stick to rules. In my mind, it was always like, I want to get healthy. I want to lose weight. I need more energy. It was never like, oh shit, I have a problem with alcohol until it was, you know? When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. Tanasi creates the highest quality, scientifically validated CBD and hemp extract products. Tanasi's formula includes a unique combination of CBD and CBDA in every dose, which is two times more effective than just CBD alone. So if you want to create a sense of calm, to calm your mind, to relax before bed for a great night of sleep, try Tanasi. Tanasi's being really generous with our listeners. You can go to Tanasi.com and use code HELLO to get 25% off at checkout right now. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. Had plenty of bad experiences from drinking way too much. Luckily, never anything dangerous. I think my like good girl hypervigilance like kind of kept me in safe situations. And I was very lucky. But like, I was the queen of blackouts and puking, like in the office in the morning on a business trip as a director, you know, just super queasy. I even thought that it was like a strategy. Like if I drink a lot and I'm hungover, then I cannot be nervous for this huge presentation to American Express in New York City at their headquarters because I'm trying so hard not to throw up. I mean, I was hungover for every job interview and yet was constantly promoted um, because I worked really hard. And that was kind of my story. So no one really told me that 
I needed to stop drinking. My husband never said it to me. I was always known as a red wine girl. I was self-proclaimed a red wine girl, but I was, you know, I went from oblivious, like truly like going to my therapist and telling her, I mean, of course I never told her how much I drank because that would be crazy. You know, I did the like couple classes, couple nights a week, but I told her, I wake up every morning at 3 a.m. I am so stressed out. I have off the chart anxiety. At that point, I was truly oblivious that alcohol was causing the 3 a.m. wake-ups. I mean, I was 29 years old, did not know that. Later, I did know that. And I still, you know, went to my therapist and got my anti-anxiety meds and got Ambien and was working this big job and had kids and was working so hard to hold it together. I mean, so hard. It was like running a marathon with a ball and chain tied to my ankle, trying so hard to make sure nobody noticed and constantly either sort of trying to not drink or rationalizing it and worried that I didn't have enough wine at home. And in my mind, it was just kind of a death of a thousand cuts. Um, I had been a member of an amazing secret private Facebook group for a long time. 10 years ago, I went to a therapist and said, "Um, my life is stressful. Life is hard. And by the way, I drank a bottle of wine at night. And he immediately was like, let's talk about your drinking. And I was like, no, 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 let's talk about my boss. And he was sober. He had gone to 12 steps. He, I mean, 10 years ago, there really was nothing else. And so I I tried a few 12 step meetings and I actually went for four months. It was not my jam. The people there were incredibly nice. I know it helps a ton of people, but for me, it was not my jam. And so I got pregnant, was sober for a year, probably would have only been sober for four months otherwise. And my life magically got better, go figure, (laughs) when I wasn't drinking. And then I decided after my daughter Lila was born that it was situational, that like I was better now, my job was better, my life was better, I'd done work. So I therefore dot, dot, dot can drink again. Um, I'll just have a couple glasses on a date night with my husband. And it took me 22 months of pretty much a bottle of wine a night and waking up asking what the hell was wrong with me. And, you know, all the little things of waking up on the couch because my husband couldn't wake me up to stop again. And I ended up stopping by hiring a sober coach. That's what I do now. It was incredibly transformative for me. It was practical, zero label, step-by-step, empowering, focusing on what I want for the future, who I want to be. And I started with just a hundred day challenge. I know I, I mean, it was too terrifying to think I would never drink again, but at that point I couldn't get four days. So I was like, all right, I'm paying for this. I'm doing a 100-day challenge. I'll get a bunch of personal development work along the way. And I remember 40 days in standing at my, you know, 8-year-old son baseball practice and almost in tears just thinking this was the kindest thing I had done for myself in years. Wow. That was a lot. Was that what you wanted? No. To oh, are you kidding me? That's exactly. I mean, I can relate to so many aspects of it. Um, I think the our work culture these days are just centered around happy hours and drinking, you know, partying hard and working hard. That's just, I think everyone can relate to that no matter what industry you're in. You know what also really resonated with me is the situational stories you tell yourself, because I would do that as well. I would say, well, you know, I'm a mom of three kids now and, you know, work is really tough right now. And it was always, you know, it was always something, but that situational excuse changed as time went on, right? There was always something. So found that really interesting, but wow, what a powerful story. I can't, that's, that's a lot in, in a, in a very eye-opening way. And I, I know that what you teach right now in your um, sober courses is a lot about understanding what's going on, you know, internally too. Um, really understanding why we're drinking or why we don't want to drink in order to 
kind of cut that cycle off. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about what that means and, and why it's important to know your yeah. why? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do private coaching. I also have an online sober coaching course and obviously my podcast where there are like 150 episodes of us talking about all the things about women and alcohol and drinking and quitting drinking. One of the very first things I do with my clients and I suggest is diving into two lists. And one is why you want to stop drinking all the shit, all the shit you feel, all the the shit you think, all the, the crappy stuff that's happened, why you want to stop drinking. And 95% of the work I do is really positive and forward-looking. I truly believe that so many of us spend so much time talking shit to ourselves, writing horrible notes to ourselves, taking selfies on like the day you feel like garbage, um, waiting to have something bad enough happen so therefore we will no longer want to drink. And I don't think it works. I mean, for all the reasons, especially like the fading effect syndrome, where you just remember positive things way more than negative things in looking back on your life. But it's important to capture that. And the reason is that when you get to 40, 50, 60 days alcohol-free, you're going to feel better. You're going to be happier. You're going to be like I was, like, I'm better now. I'm happier now. I'm not as stressed. I'm not as anxious. Um, I'm more confident. Our minds will say, therefore, I can drink. And so you need to have that list to remind yourself of why you started. Um, And then, so that's your reason. And then you look at your vision. And I like to capture that in the beginning as well. So the idea is just, what do you want instead? And it doesn't have to be deep. Um, I think that a lot of us think like the reason I want to stop drinking or the vision of what I want to do instead, it has to be horrible versus incredible, right? And I think that's something that a lot of women who are high functioning, overachievers, drinking a ton, but like I used to say, I'm only hurting myself which when you look at it is a really crazy thing to say, but I'm like, I'm still a great mom. I'm still a great colleague. I hold my shit together. All I do is get drunk and pass out and feel like garbage. Like, eh, you know, that's not so bad, but it's a mistake to think that it has to be some grand reason that you want to stop some horrible reason. You know, I went to AA, they say, jails, institutions, and death. Like that's what's on the other side. It does not have to be that. And it does not have to be like my life sucks right now. And it's going to be amazing if I stop drinking. It is enough to say, I want to stop drinking because I want to remember the end of shows I watch. I want my husband to stop asking me what, how I feel in the morning. I want to stop coming home and overpaying the babysitter because I have no idea um, how much I'm I'm paying her. I want to feel better. I want to be confident. I want less anxiety. And how do you want to feel? I want to feel healthy. I want to feel proud of myself. I want to run a 10K that I've been saying I was going to do for X number of years. I want to be present for the moments for my kids. I mean, I had little reasons and big reasons. I mean, when I went to the dark side, I knew enough to know that drinking is progressive. Drinking does not get better. Um, I definitely zoomed out and said, my son is eight. If I keep drinking the way I am, I was drinking a bottle of wine a night. I was not remembering the end of shows. I was passing out on the couch, not every night, right? I mean, but often enough that it wasn't like a shock. Um, When my son is 18, is he going to want to bring his friends home? Like, what is our relationship going to be like? I mean, for me, that was thinking about him being embarrassed at some point was like Christ. And I got to tell you, my son is 14 now. And, you know, he's six foot. He's pulling away. He's not my little eight-year-old boy anymore. But 
we are super close and um, I'm really proud of that, you know? Oh my gosh. Can we talk about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48, so if you're going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com with promo code HELLO. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com. And use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. I love that. I was going to ask you what your kids thought. Like, does he remember those days? Does he Does he remember at all? You- I would say he doesn't remember at all. And I would also say he knew I drank a lot. I don't, I don't think anything happened. Like I said, it was a death of a thousand cuts. Even if things happened because I was drinking, I'm not sure he knew that that's why they happened. Um, but I mean, trust me, like he was five and my husband was out of town and I drank too much and I woke up, you know, he, he had already gone to bed. He was safely in bed, but I woke up to him hysterically crying because it was St. Patty's day. And he built this like leprechaun trap with gold coins in it. (laughs) And like the leprechaun hadn't come, um, because I'd forgotten you know, like shit like that. And oh my God, the amount of, I mean, I felt horrible. I was scrambling to be like, dude, I'm sure the leprechaun got caught at the neighbors in their trap and, you know, made a joke of it on social media, like hashtag mom fail. I mean, the things we tried to make funny that we know are because we drank too much. I mean, you know, Kid wakes up, comes downstairs, and is like, oh, my God, the tooth fairy gave me $2 bonus. And I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot I already, (laughs) you know, like shit like that, that you're like, damn, baby, I'm not holding this together very well. Well, I even if he doesn't remember it now, I'm I'm sure our kids one day will look back and realize what we're what we've done for them, because that that was a big reason. uh, One of my big reasons was my three year old knew what wine was, right? And knew knew that I drank every night. And I'm going, Oh, one day I was just like, gosh, you know, it's funny to a degree, right? That these kids know what booze is. And then it just stops being funny. And you're like, wait a second, what am I doing to them that they know what beer, wine and, you know, drinking is at at such a young age. So that was one of my big reasons why. Well, and I went to, I went to my mother-in-law's, they live in Florida with my son when he was three. And, you know, same thing. We went to the grocery store and my mother-in-law picks up a bottle of wine and he was like, oh, for mommy. And she's like, oh yeah, for mommy and me. And he literally at three said, you're going to need another. Oh, And that again, also a joke, right? That was the punchline like for a while, but I stopped and I was pretty open, you know, like not that I worried that I had a problem. None of that. Like I'm doing a no alcohol challenge for a hundred days, but like, 30 days in, I was like, Hey, Hank, I haven't had a drink in 30 days. I mean, he's eight. He's like, Oh, cool, mom. You know, but you know, then after a hundred days, I said, I'm going to go for six months. And then I went to a year and he knew, and you know, I mean, when I got to a thousand days long before I became a sober coach, he and my husband went to uh, Target and got, I mean, I have it in my office, got this big glass thing and counted up a thousand individual like glass 
marbles and put them in there. And I came down and there were flowers in this, this huge thing that was just amazing that they had done that. So he's super proud of me. And long before I became a coach and became open about everything, like I love that my, my husband still drinks. It's not like, oh my God, alcohol is awful. Almost all my friends drink, but I also have a lot of sober friends. And I love that he doesn't think that alcohol is required at the dinner table the way I thought it was, Mm -hmm. you know? I love that. I love that you have that support. That's amazing that they did that for you. I love that. That's amazing. I was going to ask you, so one of the things I did when, you know, you talked about it taking several times to get there, right? This kind of yo-yo drinking, you go up and down. And um, one of the things I used to do was when I drank and I was ashamed of my drinking that night, because I promised myself that I wasn't going to drink on that Monday because I wasn't going to drink on weekdays. And, you know, day one, I couldn't get through day one. Um, I, at that moment when I started drinking and I felt that shame, I started writing down my reasons then, but they weren't necessarily positive, you know, they weren't necessarily like who I wanted to be. They were all the reasons why I didn't feel great at that moment drinking when I thought that it was going, I was going to be elated, right? I felt like I was going to feel great. And all of a sudden I felt the shame and going, what am I doing again? Yeah. And I wrote it all down then. Is that, is that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. That's it. I mean, I had a notepad, you know, running list on my phone when I was drinking. I still have it. Um, I actually pulled it up when we were going to have this conversation. And, you know, it was interesting. I wrote, like, I'm stuck in a place of fear and anxiety, I wake up at 3 a.m. almost tingling all over my body with anxiety and sadness. I am so tired every morning and every day. I feel deeply unhappy. I'm insecure about work projects and big life and decisions and my future. I have no emotional reserves or goodwill to handle changes. It feels like every new request will break me. I wake up with a dull ache behind my eyes. I spend all day recovering. I sleep terribly. I feel defensive, guilty, paranoid, anxious, annoyed, wanting to hide, resentful, and angry. Why am I angry? And I always want more, more wine. It is never enough. I'm putting my life, my plans, and all my forward progress on hold. And if you looked at my life from the outside, you would have no idea. I mean, I was constantly smiling. I was constantly hustling. I was constantly overachieving. My husband had no idea I felt that way. And like, just angry, you know what I mean? And scared and sad and insecure. And, you know, and I finally told him, I interviewed him on my podcast we had talked about it, but not really. We hadn't talked about everything. I was kind of afraid to be like, so what do you remember? You know, like he kept being like, let's do an episode. I kept pushing him off. Like I was, I was terrified to do it. And I finally told him that stuff. And he was like, wow. And he was like, that was your reward for your favorite thing in the world. He was like, tell her what she's won, you know, that feeling. Gosh, thank you so much for sharing that. That was that's really powerful. I I can relate to all of that, right? And that's I think it's so important to to for people to spend that quiet time with yourself whenever you're feeling any of the emotions that you're feeling and write it down. I mean, they yeah. say really that there's so much power in writing that stuff down because there were often nights where I would say it in my head and I'd wake up and I'd forget why, my why, because I had I told myself in my head I never wrote it down. <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is that amazed me, we all feel the same things and all, you know, I talk to so many women and I know you do too. And they say, why can't I just drink like a normal person? I mean, that is the phrase that I hear more than anything else. And I'm like, you have no idea what anyone's relationship with alcohol truly is. Nobody had any idea what mine was. I was like, does anyone in your life know that you feel this way? And they were like, no, I mean, I don't, you know, they're talking to me because they don't want to talk to anyone else about it. And I think 
so many more people, but I'll talk specifically about women, feel the way we do about alcohol. And it's somehow the third rail that nobody talks about because it's been so stigmatized. Like you don't want to have a quote unquote problem with alcohol. And I think that's changing. And I love that. I think there is so much more openness about the fact that like, this is an addictive substance that increases anxiety and depression and hurts sleep significantly and saps your energy. And, you know, it is, it's something that's kind of dangerous and you got to keep an eye on it. And if you go down to drinking too much, there's nothing wrong with you. That's actually the natural path for consuming an addictive substance. Yeah, it's that fear that so much is going to change in almost that unknown that that you get that fear, you know, your relationships changing, specifically with your spouse or your family or friends and what people are going to think of you. It's that, that fear that really holds people back, I think. And honestly, like half the problem is we love it or I loved it. Like I loved it so much (laughs) despite all the crap that I like really wanted to keep it in my life somehow. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's like a toxic boyfriend or a toxic relationship that, you know, you actually have like so many people are waiting and t- like, if I just read enough, or if I just know enough, or if I just write enough crappy notes to myself, then I will not want to drink. And the reason is dot, 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 because then it'll be easy to not drink. Right. And the truth is you will not stop wanting to drink due to a million different reasons, conscious, subconscious, physical until you get some distance from it, alcohol is like a magnet. The pull is so strong the closer you are to the last time you drank that you have to get away from it, reset your dopamine levels so you're actually happy without it, start building the muscle of not drinking so you have that habit, get out of the craving withdrawal cycle, see that some of your fears about it just aren't true until you look back and say, I can't believe I lived that way. I can't believe I settled for so little. This thing I loved was giving me so little and taking so much. And, you know, they say like, your normal is whatever you're used to. And when I look back, I was like, the bar of satisfaction and reward in my life was so fucking low. I'm sad that I ever settled for that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love that. When we, um, we talked a little bit about knowing your why, yeah. but there's this whole other aspect of knowing what triggers you. Yes. Um, can we talk a little bit about triggers and why, yeah. how those relate to your why too? Absolutely. I mean, in my mind, um, triggers is anything, you know, I think about it as the behavior and habit change cycle, right? So there is this thing where you go cue, craving, response, reward. Cue is something that makes you think of drinking. That's a trigger. And I drank 365 nights a year or would have if I wasn't trying to control it in some way and typically failing. So a cue to drink was literally everything, right? It was obviously Friday night. I deserve a reward at the end of the week. Going out to dinner, always need a a glass or a bottle of wine, right? Like they bring you the wine, the drinks menu first. Yes, those clear triggers, cue to drink, going on vacation, anything like that, going out on a date. But like cues to drink were also going to the grocery store. They were also 5 p.m. They were also thinking about what to cook for dinner. They were also mommy play dates. They were having an extra hour at lunch. Like none of this was like, you know, quote unquote, problematic drinking. You see people do this all the time. You go out to a work lunch. They were going to the bar with coworkers at the airport. So cues to drink everything. And so everything is to some extent a trigger. And it's good to write them down. Obviously, clear triggers are 
hungry, angry, lonely, tired, right? Halt. Cues to drink, triggers to drink are overwhelm and boredom and celebrations and social anxiety, all those things. But I think like when you're starting to not drink, there are a couple different things. Drinking is our reward, right? Cue craving response reward. So in the beginning, you need to plan a reward for every day because the worst thing you can do when you're stopping drinking is think this is all too hard. I work so hard. I have nothing in my life. All my favorite things have been taken away. So you want to substitute those rewards with something that is wonderful, something you normally don't think you have time for. So I think it's important a cue to drink, a trigger to drink is a long day. So what are you going to do to break up that day for a sober treat? You know, what are you going to do on Friday night? So I used to plan them in advance. And on Friday, I would maybe get a pedicure. I'd leave work at 4.30 instead of 5.30. Get a pedicure, pick out sushi, take out and watch a movie that I wanted. Um, another sober treat was joining a gym with childcare. So on Saturdays I could go there and not try to kill myself to lose weight. I would sit in the hot tub. I would sit in the steam room. I would get a protein pack smoothie afterwards with my kids. They were thrilled. I would go to the garden store and wander around. So you need to substitute your reward of alcohol every day with your reward of something else. And, and so also obviously hunger is a big trigger. That's the number one, the dropping of your blood sugar is no joke. Um, the, so I would pack snacks. My coach told me to do this with protein that I would bring to school. I mean, to work, um, and have it at four 30, you know, eat before you're hungry. Don't go into the witching hour and picking up kids and driving past the grocery store and all that stuff, um, starving. So when my clients tell me, oh my God, I want to drink. First question I always ask them is, are you hungry? Have you eaten? A lot of times that plus a different beverage can help a lot. The second question I ask them is why? And we are really terrible at identifying the emotions of why we want to check out, why we want to drink. Um, we're just like, it's just our easy button, like any emotion drink, right? And so sometimes it's you're overwhelmed. Sometimes it's you're bored. Sometimes you're feeling resentful that you do everything for everyone else and no one does something for you. Sometimes you're like, this is my only night with my girlfriends. And so you can solve for any one of those, right? If you're bored, there are a million things you can do. If you're overwhelmed, ask for help, delegate, push off deadlines, don't take your kids to things, even if you've signed up. Um, in those moments, you know, if you're tired, sometimes we drink when we're tired, like freaking take a nap, right? Listen to your body. Um, we're just not used to it. So eat something and then identify why you want to drink and solve for that specifically. And also like lower the bar. Overwhelm is a huge trigger, especially if people are trying to do all the things. If you're a people pleaser, if you're an overachiever, if you are very competent, so people are used to relying on you. So I, you know, if you're a gold star girl, I want you to try to get a B minus for three weeks. Like, do the least amount you need to do. And you'll probably realize that like magically you don't get fired and your kids are fine. Um, but it's, I mean, the the worst example I heard of this, which cracked me up was one of my clients was like, and I love her and she is three and a half years sober now. She was like, yeah, I wash and change the sheets on my bed every day for my husband. He really likes it. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? First of all, don't. That is insane. I mean, I have my sheets changed every other week. Like, that is fine. You are not that dirty. You know, it's no big deal. And I was like, okay, that's crazy. Don't do that. Um, 
another client of mine was like in week one and she's like, okay, I'm stopping drinking. I'm going to work out. I'm going to go on a diet and I really, really need to clean out my office and my attic. And I was like, that's great. Fabulous. She's telling me how awful her attic is. I was like, yeah, how, how long has that been that way? And she's like, oh my God, seven years. And I was just like, so definitely when you were trying to quit a highly addictive habit that has been dragging you down, why would you address something that's been an issue for seven years? Like take a nap, go get a massage, like watch bad TV. You know what I mean? This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy, but one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash someday. I love that. Yes. Uh, It's so funny because I think we're hardest on ourselves too. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do all these things and you're right. It's okay not to. It's okay to put yourself first too. And it's uncomfortable, right? It's so uncomfortable. Yes. I feel like, you know, I was the kind of person that felt like I had to justify everything I had done, how productive I was in order to like be loved and exist to justify doing whatever. And a lot of times it was because I felt guilty because I'd been drinking. Right. And, you know, I've gotten much better at like, if I'm tired, I take a nap and not feeling guilty about it because it's not because I drank a shitload and I'm hungover and I'm trying to not let anyone know. It's like, dude, I'm tired. You know, like you're so much nicer to yourself. Yeah. Life is hard enough as it is than adding on the layer of drinking. I feel like a lot of moms, you talked about this a bit, but you know, with that mommy wine culture, feel like it's going to make bedtime easier if you're drinking when in fact it makes it harder. Right? I found and that the truth out. is, yes, it makes it harder, but the need is real, right? The thing that is making you want to drink is real and it deserves a solution. It's just alcohol isn't the solution. One of the biggest questions that is really eye-opening and people probably don't want to answer it, which is why we drink, is what do you get to not think about or not confront or not deal with when you drink? For some people, it's my marriage. For some people, it's how much I hate my job. For some people, it's I'm incredibly lonely. You know, like it can be anything and it doesn't have to be that dire. It can be like, oh my God, I really don't like my child at bedtime. Yeah. I mean, it's the stuff that you don't want to say out loud. And it's like, of course you don't like your child at bedtime. She's a fucking nightmare right now. Like this is insane. And the answer is not that you don't love your child or your horrible mother or anything like that. It's that you need help. It's that you need to take turns. It's that like, oh my God, put in earphones. I mean, I used to stand there with my daughter when she was having a giant tantrum because, you know, you think you know what you're doing and you don't. Actually, this was my son. And like, hold the door. He'd be pulling on the other side. And I'm like, what the actual fuck has happened to my life? Like, I am a competent, accomplished woman. And I am basically in a tug of war over a doorknob with a four-year-old. 
I mean, I'm horrible, right? But I put a lock on the outside of the door. So he'd like <laughs> give up. And I put in earplugs because he was crying. And like, he is a fabulous 14 year old and nothing was dangerous about it. I feel like people are going to listen to this and like totally judge me. But I'm just like, no, I think everyone Ooh. can relate to that. Uh, absolutely. There are like, those times where those kids just press your buttons. And yeah. you're right. I mean, but like, like knocking yourself unconscious and poisoning your body is not a solution. That is just adding another layer of a problem because what do you need? You need quiet. You want to check out. You want to not deal with this. This is fucking hard. Those are things you can solve for. We just don't want to do it. It's easier to drink. I love how you said to have a list of things that you can turn to instead of alcohol because I think one of the things that I wasn't prepared for when I removed alcohol and I did a hundred day challenge too, which I think we talk a lot about in this sober summit is the power of that hundred days because 30 days just really isn't enough. There's a powerful, you know, that hundred days is really when you start seeing that change, yeah. but I wasn't prepared for all the emotions that came up and I didn't even know I had them. Right. Yeah. It, it, when I drank, it was so habitual. It was five o'clock every day. And I was a daily drinker too. Um, and it was just something that I did. And I, I didn't even realize that I was numbing myself, right? Like I didn't realize those emotions that were coming up. I just, that was something I did. And, but I realized it when I removed the alcohol and all of a sudden I had all these emotions and no, no way to deal with them. Yeah. So I love the idea of having these ways to treat yourself because, yeah. and, and this sort of like list of things that you can pull from, because you are going to need them and, yeah. and you know, be kind to yourself. This is, this is, I am a list maker, but I used to have a list on my phone of sober treats, like anything and everything. And actually I think it's part of the like bonus package here. I'm giving my ultimate sober treats guide for people who opt into that package, but it is 20 plus pages of different sober treats that you can tap into. Like they don't have to all be huge. They don't have to all be expensive. You can certainly do that if you want to, but they need to be sort of daily, daily things you're look looking forward to and saying like, this is my reward for not drinking today. This is how I'm taking care of myself. And what I love about that guide is I actually got like 12 of my clients to give me their full, I mean, I knew them because I work with them, but their full list of sober treats. And the reason I like that is you will be surprised one, how many different sober treats they have. I mean, like 35 that they can tap into at any moment. And also how different each woman is in terms of what the treats are. And both of those I think are really eye-opening because each of us is different in terms of what gives us peace and calm and joy and excitement and all the things, but you need a lot of them, right? And it's also that once you stop drinking, you look around and find so much joy mm -hmm. and appreciation and just contentment in life. I mean, there is nothing better than coffee in a quiet house in the morning without a hangover. Truly. I mean, that is heaven. Sometimes I go to bed and when I'm going to sleep, I'm like, oh my God, in the morning I get coffee. You know? I can relate to that. Yeah. And think of how much money you're saving, not drinking. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Absolutely. Put it into a little piggy bank and treat yourself. I have, do you, do you have your, um, I have a not drinking app. Yes. Um, the one I use is I'm not drinking. It's just the one I found. But what I like is, yes, it calculates your days, right? Everyone's like, I'm on day 27, right? Which is cool, but sometimes isn't that you're like, so fucking what? It's 27 days, right? The, what I like about it is it also calculates the bottles or drinks you haven't consumed the dollars you've saved. So in my first month not drinking, I saved $550 and did not consume 40 bottles of wine. Can you imagine lining? I'm five foot three, 40 bottles of red wine on the counter. Cause like I drink a bottle and then sometimes I'd be like, I just need one more glass, which is crazy. Um, 
but true. And just, I mean, my God. So in three months, I've saved $1,600. And now I'm almost seven years, like it's well over $40,000. Like, don't get me wrong. I know I've spent that money, but I've (laughs) spent it on yoga retreats. I've spent it on weighted blankets. I've spent it on amazing weekends with my girlfriends, you know, hiking, all the things, but good stuff. My husband will tell you, I've spent it all on in the last like year on non-alcoholic beer because now that's a thing for me, but that's okay. Yeah. I love that. Well, before we go, that reminds me, because I do want to ask you um, what your favorite non-alcoholic beverage is and what your favorite Quitlet book is, if you have one to share. Yeah. Well, non-alcoholic beverage, that is very, very easy. My absolute favorite is Athletic Brewing Company. I Uh, love them. They are really good. Yeah, they're golden. I used to be an ambassador for them, (laughs) which I was so excited about. Um, I had to stop because I now work with you know, on the podcast, different brands, but like athletic, hands down my favorite. Um, Also love Groovy, love their non-alcoholic Prosecco and love their Bubbly Rosé. There are other ones I like too, but by far, those are my favorite. Quitlet, damn, that is hard for me. That is hard for me. So Um, many good ones. There are so many good ones. I would say um, the first book I ever read, but it's a little bit dark, but the first one that I was like, oh, wow, this sounds way too familiar was Carolyn Knapp's Drinking a Love Story. Ooh. That that one definitely, you know, it had this, you know, she literally talks about it as a, a love and a relationship. My coach was Belle Robertson from Tired of Thinking About Drinking. So her book holds a special place in my heart. And I love her approach. And for women with little kids who sort of worked in the corporate world, I love Claire Pooley's um, The Sober Diaries. But like, my God, there's so many amazing new ones right now. Like one of my absolute favorite is Not Drinking Tonight, Amanda E. White. So like, I mean, I've interviewed like 40 different Quitlet authors on my podcast. So I feel like, like I'm cheating on them by not mentioning (laughs) like Holly Whitaker and Laura McCowan and Catherine Gray. And like, I love you all. Um, Yeah, I can't choose. That's amazing. Well, we'll put links to those. Those are all really good ones. So thank you for sharing. And is there anything else that you want to share before we go? This has been so amazing. Yeah, the only thing I would say is if you are in that really hard place, of drinking and not drinking and waking up with the hangover, like you are not alone. There is nothing wrong with you. And by attending this summit, you should be really, really, really proud of yourself. There are so many people who struggle with alcohol who aren't here. This is brave. And I would say just begin on my website, which is hellosomedaycoaching.com. I have a free 30-day guide to your first month alcohol-free. It is super comprehensive, totally free. And it's 30 pages of like what to expect on day four and day 10 and day 14 and what to eat and drink and what to expect and how you're going to feel like super practical and step-by-step. I also have a course called the Sobriety Starter Kit. That's my full sober coaching framework in 70 videos on an app. Lots of women have found that like that step-by-step process, having all that support in your back pocket really helps. And then my podcast is the Hello Someday podcast. Amazing. We'll put links to all that below so people can easily find you. Casey, thank you so much for being here. This was absolutely incredible. And um, I, I just really appreciate you joining us here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit Hello Someday Coaching. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. 
hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.